Look, health care is part of Abigail, Congresswoman, or uh, uh, your Congresswoman's uh, um, background. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. Uh, and I understand that's your job. We had, we had a lot of flat-out old segregation is still in our caucus. And, it, and there was no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. It is February 28th, 2022. Welcome to The Daily Rob. You can find us all across the internet. Just go down to the link tree and you can find us in all your favorite places. Now, it's always great to give us a like, a comment, a subscription, all that good stuff that, you know, helps us out and helps us battle the algorithm, which you know is actively working against us because we're that cool. Now, without further ado, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Rob Smith. Hello, Stu. You forgot to ask for money. But if you all want to give us money, don't do it in rubles, okay? Because uh, at about 7 o'clock this morning, they went, ooh, in value. Can you see my thumb? Ooh, in value. Um, Stu, we got ourselves a scrap over in Ukraine, a real barn burner. And um, it's very interesting. This whole thing is... Uh, interesting, perhaps dangerous, um, but it's worth talking about. Um, first of all, um, we don't really know what to believe. Um, yeah. There are all kinds of rumors. Um, things are moving fast. Uh, by the time we publish this tomorrow morning um, or late tonight, uh, maybe things have changed a whole lot. But some of... Um, the rumors are one rushes out of money. Um, some of that obviously is true. Stu. Their economy is incredibly weak and thin. It's basically a gas station. Um, but let's just quote the stat. So they said it was costing, it, they, the media sources like the Daily Mail were saying it was costing billions of dollars a day to wage this military operation war excursion, whatever you want to call it. It was costing the U.S. military $300 million a day in Afghanistan. So we're going from millions to billions. I have a tough time seeing well, that as... Yeah, I mean, again, talking heads don't know anything about math or numbers, Stu, if you haven't noticed. Russia's defense budget is the second largest in the world, and it's $69 billion. So certainly they're not spending $20 billion a day. Um, um, so, yeah, that, but they, they are a poor country. Uh, they don't have um, access to materials and supply lines like we do. Um, so I would say there is, uh, we can do a needle on a gauge, Stu. I would say that that needle kind of goes more towards being true than not true. Yeah. You know, one of the books to read about understanding war and the military is Clausewitz, which is called On War. And so this is a quote of his. How do you come up with that catchy name, Stu? I don't know. Those Germans, I tell you, they just, they, you get a, a belly laugh all the time with them. Oh, continue. War is the realm of uncertainty, 
three quarters of the factors on which action in war is based are wrapped in a fog of greater or lesser uncertainty. A sensitive and discriminating judgment is called for a skilled intelligence to scent out the truth. And if there's one thing the media is not good at is scenting out the truth. Yeah, I mean, the media, and um, we're all this way. I think we're all rooting for the Ukrainians to stop the violence. And um, and it's natural almost to root for them in your, your covering, but that doesn't mean what they're saying is true. Um, the, um, the idea that some Russians aren't fighting. Um, the story behind this, and there obviously is some truth to it, is you got two Slavic Eastern Orthodox nations fighting each other with a long history. Many of the Russian troops, they say, are um, just young kids and, um, you know, there are protests going on all over the world in St. Petersburg and, and in Moscow. And, uh, you know, there, was, there were reports that the Russians were on dating apps before they entered, um, you know, maybe the naivety of youth thinking they're going in there just as a police action or, or something. I don't know. I don't think it's a major problem, but let me tell you, these Russian soldiers are not going to want to shoot women with uh, AK-47s. Um, um, but then again, what I don't know is how professional are these Russian soldiers. Just don't know. Just don't know, Stu. The other thing they're talking about is supply lines. Ukraine's a big country. Russia's a big country. You would think they have amassed everything they need at the border before they started this, but maybe not, Stu. Again, they don't have the resources of, of the United States and supply lines are long. Uh, apparently, they rely on rail a lot and they've blown up some rail. So again, that's one of the rumors that we just don't know about. Um, we've heard that Ukrainian military has shot down a couple of troop transport planes Again, don't know if that's true or not. Seem to think it's not true because we haven't seen any evidence of it. But again, it's war stuff. This is probably the first war in the history of mankind. It's almost live on t TV. Every soldier has their own broadcast system. Your, ba your batteries on your phone don't always work and they're probably not an internet connection very easily in some of these places as well. So. Again, don't know. I'm sorry. Continue. There's a lot of footage that's being reused from 2014. And so that's been an issue. You've had video game footage used for the, the ghost of Kiev. As the BBC writes, quote, this tweet posted by the verified account of the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense shows footage of an aerial dogfight accompanied by the caption, MIG-29 of the Air Force of the Armed Forces destroys the unparalleled Su-35 of the Russian occupiers. However, they explain it's actually video game footage from the game Digital Combat Simulator World. And this isn't the first time that the game footage has been used to illustrate military action. The, you know, whether he's real or not, the the pilot that's apparently shooting down all these 
uh, Russian jets. And another thing is you've had footage from other excursions and um, accidents being used as, oh, this is the energy facility in Kharkiv blowing up when it's years old and has been floated out there before. As another tweet reads, hashtag Ukraine explosion. A fire started by Russian airstrikes set off a chain reaction at a Luhansk power plant in Ukraine. And then that tweet, which was eventually deleted, included a video of this fiery inferno that looked absolutely terrifying. Now, I'm not saying that there haven't been Russian strikes and bombs going off in Ukraine because clearly they there have been. But in terms of this specific post, no, this is not actually something that happened. This video actually shows a 2015 factory explosion that happened in Tianjin, China. And incidentally, this is also not the first time that this video footage has been attributed to a completely different event. A 2020 fact check from Reuters found claims that the video depicted Minneapolis Police Department's third precinct building during the protest that followed the murder of George Floyd, which of course was not true. So the the media and like, and I've, you know, I, typically I go to the Daily Mail for a lot of my news. You know, they've been pushing a lot of this stuff that I know from independent fact checkers you know, there's at least a seed of doubt in it. But you know the old saying, if it bleeds, it leads. And so they're going to say this because everyone's hungry to know what's going on. So the, I, for, for me, the things that it boils down to is this. There's fighting in the second largest city in Ukraine now, Kharkiv. So there's that's trying to be seized by the Russians. I've heard different reports on whether the Russians seized it or not. And then the other thing is that Putin and Zelensky have both sent people to talk about peace talks, and they're going to meet in Belarus to discuss this. But at the same time, Belarus's leader is threatening to send his troops in. And it seems like they would be sending in um, aerial units to essentially do some sort of bombing mission in Kiev to force a surrender. Yeah, I've heard that... Um the same thing about peace talks, but they're going to be held within the borders of Ukraine. You know, again, um, just don't know. Um, Ghost of Kiev, yeah, um, at least the film has been proven, I think, to be uh, a fake. Doesn't mean yeah. that some, I didn't shoot down a, a bunch of stuff. Um, there, you know, This one was pretty easy to detect, but um, I read today um, some Ukrainian, I guess he was Ukrainian, but some in that, that intel obtained from Russia. Putin is locked up in the Urals with a bunch of oligarchs, and it said he's frustrated and yelling at his people and that he's running out of money and, um, and this and that. Well, that's obviously not true if it was um you wouldn't tell the the russians that you had intercepted their intelligence um i don't think uh, um so it's it sounds too much like trump in the bunker yeah and of course if you're smart i mean war propaganda is good i don't have any problem with it i mean it should be i mean I think at this stage, you want the Ukrainians to fight and doing things to bolster their morale to get them to fight is a legitimate aspect of war. Um, and of course, the Russians have been planning this for a year, for a long time, and they're, they're much more gifted at, um, at um, 
this type of thing, this um, um, propaganda. Um, so you got to think they've been sending out things that were already prepackaged. Um, yeah, a lot of the footage of Zelensky on the front lines has been dated back to months ago and stuff of just things a president usually does. So it's one of those things where the cause, you know, and I was watching a discussion on this. And one of the things they kind of discussed was even after a coup uh, that ousted the uh, government uh, of Yanukovych, then the new coup government started cracking down on Russian speaking people, banned Russia as a language. And there was incidents like in Odessa in uh, 2014, where dozens of people were burned alive. Russia speakers were burned alive. By Nazis. By Nazis. And after that, that's what prompted the separatist regions, or I'm sorry, these rebel uh, regions, Russian-speaking, Russian-aligned regions, to launch a rebellion because they didn't want to live under the reign of Nazis who threatened to burn them alive. And there's been a brutal war for the last eight years in which the vast majority of the casualties have occurred on the rebel-held side. And it's those people the victims of that war that were not allowed to acknowledge. It goes back to a term that Chomsky used with Edward Herman in Manufacturing Consent. There are worthy and unworthy victims. Worthy victims are the victims of US enemies. Unworthy victims, people who we can't acknowledge, are the ones who were responsible for killing. And throughout this eight year war, the US has been pumping Ukraine with billions of dollars worth of weapons. Just imagine if Russia had done in Mexico what the US did in Ukraine launch a coup, and then flood the country with billions of dollars worth of weapons. The only difference is that the U.S. would have done what Russia just did a long time ago. A long time ago. And it goes against the Minsk agreement. But we're not supposed to care about that. But the people that we can care about are the Ukrainians. So there's so much bad blood between these two people that everyone is kind of going into their own bias mode and not just realistically saying, well, can we, how about we go back to the Minsk agreement and try to rework that out instead of having this be a full-fledged war? Because if Belarus enter, enters the war, then it's 2v1. And that makes me think then, well, Poland probably gets dragged in. And then if Poland gets dragged in, who else gets dragged in? You know, what, what were Putin's things that he could negotiate with. Could he realistically turn off oil to Western Europe? Or does he feel like he's getting it for such a good price right now that if he did that, he's never getting that price again? You know, so the whole thing is kind of devolving into- Their economy needs the money too. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I wrote an article, it should be up to date on Real Clear Markets about all this and the history of both Ukraine and Russia and why there is distrust uh, between the two. And, um, and of course, Stu, I just don't write things without a way to solve things, but I offered what the solution should be. So people should click on and read that. Uh, Stu, this arming Ukraine, here's what I think. Um, these defensive weapons work extremely well that the West has. Now, Germany, the Dutch, the Brits, the Italians, the U.S., we've given them now several thousand of these Javelin missiles and these Stinger missiles. My question is, why haven't, why didn't they already have these? 
and why weren't their people trained? I worry about, okay, you're giving them these missiles, but unless you trained on them, um, what good are they? Um, so I, you know, I, and maybe there's a reason for that, Stu, maybe because of the instability of the uh, government structure of Ukraine and the civil strife that has gone on, we've been afraid to give them these type of weapons because we were afraid they would turn up into Russian hands. So um, Trump claims in his CPAC speech that he was the one who's giving them these effective missiles and then that the yeah. Biden administration quit doing it. Yeah, I think and that's true. And so this emergency $350 million worth of weaponry that's being sent to Ukraine, last I checked, the Biden administration hadn't confirmed whether or not those special missiles would be included. Yeah, I, I hear they are. We're giving them at least 500 the germans are giving them a thousand uh, but again it's a little too late um um but you know i hope they're they're very effective and uh you know with our drone technology and somebody operating these things you can you know from right here in in, in richmond somebody on their com, com, computer could uh, effectively target tank columns and planes and things like that that's how sophisticated they are so um and you asked me Stu, if we sent over some american operators to um to run these weapons and teach the ukrainians where maybe they push the buttons um i'd be okay with that um, well, Zelensky has made that open call for people to come and fight and he'd arm them I find that to be a little bit dangerous in the sense of, you know, who's going to respond to that? Well, I, think I was reading today about Baron von Bork, Stu. He was with one of your cousins in the American War Between the States. He was the German count who came over and worked on Jeb Stewart's staff. <laughs> I mean, people do do that. But again, you just can't hop on a plane and be armed and be there in 10 minutes these things take time and ukraine may not have that time you know i think i think it would attract some of the most radical people in europe and the middle east to heed that call to be honest with you oh yeah sure but if you're a ukrainian who cares as long as they're fighting the russians i mean if you're well i mean they've they've had that policy of who cares for a long time and that's why you have the problem of the azov battalion i mean yeah. There's a all of a sudden there's a ton of Azov Battalion merch that's I've seen I've seen it pushed in on Facebook stuff. I mean that's frightening to me. What does being a Nazi in Ukraine mean? I I think that I think so many people here in the West are so ignorant to this that they don't even realize the fire that they're playing with with this. Yeah, but what I mean we. These labels we put on people are explosives. But this is fucking legit. This isn't some this isn't some mom who's being called a white supremacist because she's at a educational school board meeting. These are legit the grandchildren of Hitler's Ukrainian branch of the SS who are full-time believers in this stuff, who are completely radical, who are using this iconography and who have all kinds of expensive weapons that the American CIA gave them, and they've been doing war crimes for the past eight years.
Okay, Stu, you answered my question now. Okay, sorry. I mean, I mean, sometimes we do put labels on people that, um, you know, denote one thing when they're really not that. I mean, uh, but yeah, okay, I hear you. Um, but you know, again, Stu, you you mentioned Clausewitz, and he will certainly um, dis he certainly discussed the balance of power. And sometimes you use unsavory means to keep, I mean, we armed the communist Russians in, in World War II because of necessity. So. But this, we also, but we've done this all throughout the Middle East and Africa where, you know, uh, you know the leader who shot down the Black Hawk in Somalia you know, we're arming his son to kill people that we perceive to be our enemies a generation later. You know, look at Osama bin Laden, the most famous example. You know, at one time, he was our friend. And yeah, all yeah. of a sudden, he became our enemy. And there were repercussions for that. I mean, this is the Ron Paul what-if speech, but being played out in Europe. Madam Speaker, I have a few questions for my uh, colleagues. What if our foreign policy of the past century is deeply flawed and has not served our national security interests? What if we wake up one day and realize that the terrorist threat is a predictable consequence of our meddling in the affairs of others and has nothing to do with us being free and prosperous? That's the way I see this entire thing is, you know, what if this policy of NATO expansion had consequences and we are seeing the consequences played out well Stu, i'm not uh making any black and white conclusions based on what you said i uh, acknowledge the veracity and the points that you are are making and to me it all goes into the stew pie um for something yeah. to consider um um but we, the binary the binary thinking that we're seeing displayed right now by the media I think is the exact problem of why we have well, such well, a stupid population. And we we performed a coup uh, in in Ukraine, Stu. Um, was it Prasenka? We toppled. I think it was the we replaced him with that. But I always yeah we replaced Yanukovych. Yanukovych right, was we the replaced one the guy with Prasenka. I'm sorry, and. Um, you know, was that the Orange Revolution? Everybody's lined up in the street. But if you're Russia, um, you can you can see where you think of these things as threats. Yeah, um, I mean, it's okay when Obama invades the Ukraine with his CIA assets, <laughs> but not when Putin does it. <laughs> I mean, well, um, a little bit different. I say that same I, thing. Th yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about Joe Biden. We know he's a clown. We know, um, I mean, he's just he's just a clown. And, uh, um, you know, tough talking doesn't do anything. Uh, these sanctions he first proposed. I mean, all this, we already know this. But interesting enough is that he's, it, it's uh, four o'clock on Sunday afternoon and he's been in Delaware all weekend mm -hmm. at his house. And um, the question is, um, uh, who's keeping him informed? Um, and he does not have a what they call a skiff room in his house that anybody knows about. 
And that is a um, secured intelligence room where people can sit there and talk on cables to people all around the world. Um, you know, you can patch in uh, the military leaders, our intel, all that. You know, you can, the technology is there. If I'm within a certain amount of, of a distance from where you are, Stu, I can just pick up all the language. Yeah, I can get the audio. Um, and uh, unless you're in a secure room, um, that intelligence goes to our enemies immediately. Um, and so we've apparently already had a breach of operational security from apparently, from what I've read, the information that we were giving China about the situation in Russia. They gave uh, they, it right to the Russians. Yeah. 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 What an idiot. Um, so, I mean, is this the result of being a career government person who thinks you're entitled to get off work on 4.30 on Friday and that's just the way it is? Um, apparently, uh, looking back over his first year plus, I mean, that's what he does. He never works on the weekend. He goes home and he doesn't talk to anybody. So kind of disconcerting. Uh, but then again, if he's in control of making decisions, you kind of don't want him to. But anyway, I think that's something we need to find out. Uh, private sector, Stu, Elon Musk um, apparently helped the – again, this is something you don't really know if it's how true it is. Elon Musk, a couple hours later, said, done, and he hooked them up with Starlink such that they can have internet no matter what. And you, well, again, you mean, you, you mean I don't know how you do that that quickly. They got to have passcodes. They got to have a way to get in. I mean, who knows? And it was um, for, it was for Ukraine. They did that, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, interesting, Stu. You talk about these the Discord, um, and I'll just mention this um, without making any conclusions. Um, but the history is there, and you know the origins of why the, why the Russians are there and why the Ukrainians are fighting are in the history books. Um, Zelensky's family, I think it's very interesting that he's Jewish in an Eastern Orthodox uh, uh, country. Uh, he, he got a law degree, um, but he, he, uh, but he, he speaks might, a very his broken first language Ukrainian. was Russian for sure, yeah. And he speaks a very broken Ukrainian. All right, yeah. uh, well, anyway, um, his grandfather had three brothers and they all perished in the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. um, Putin, um, his father's, uh, he had two brothers, um, both of whom died, who were in the siege of, of Leningrad. Um, a baby starved to death. Um, um, maternal grandfather killed by the Germans and his uncles who were also in the Soviet army just disappeared. Nobody knows what happened to them. I'm sure they got killed. Um, so these things are in people's minds and the hatred. When you look at the, the hatred that civilized folks today can harbor against other people, you know, it goes directly to these 
um, personal issues that occur to their families. Um, so still the problems in Russia for sure, uh, they got eliminated from the SWIFT financial um, program platform. Mm -hmm. uh, the ruble is falling very qu quickly. Their stock market down 40%, likely gonna go down some more. Their anti-war protest, uh, all of these are, are, um, are things that in a protracted engagement um, are not going to help their chances of securing Ukraine. Um, Stu, people have been t talking about, well, you know, Putin is a monster and he can flatten all of K Kiev. Well, I think that's true, but he's also an oligarch, Stu, and Russia is an oligarchical uh, country. And what good is it for him to flatten the place? Because what they want to do is go in there and steal everything and have his, his oligarchs run things as opposed to the Ukrainian oligarchs. So, and they don't have the money to rebuild it. So obviously the key, what they wanted to do was quickly topple the government um, and then rob the country and you know, take over uh, with their oligarchical system of government. Now, you know, if you're an oligarch advising Putin, which, which news reports say that's what's going on, I don't know if that's what's going on or not, you know, they're like, God, don't turn the elect electricity off. Don't, um, don't screw up this pipeline. Uh, don't knock out this infrastructure because how are we going to make money if that happens? Yeah. It's something to think about. It's been it's been very difficult to follow because you get the narrative of he's waging a total war. And then you can get also a narrative that it's a very limited war where of these hundreds of thousands of troops that he has only about 50,000 of them are active in Ukraine itself. So, you know, what is his end goal is his end goal that he is now in charge of the Donbass or is his end goal I want to completely demilitarized Ukraine on my border. And that, that is the only thing I will allow is a demilitarized Ukraine. Well, but, I think that's exactly what he's doing now, uh, or else he would have just taken over the border first. And he's obviously trying to topple the government. So, uh, so anyway, and maybe peace talks, you know, will end up where there's some sort of, Hey, y'all can have the, uh, the Donbass region. I don't know. But um, he's clearly not trying to flatten the place. Yeah. Um, it makes no sense for him to do that. But I'm not saying he won't do that. And the reason is, Stu, there are all kinds of reports that he might be crazy. Um, again, um, he's always been cold and calculating. Um, but they say that his speech the other day was just a little over the top. Um, Megalomaniac. Um, they also, now I did not know this, Stu. Um, apparently, he's been a um, COVID freak in the sense that he hasn't let anybody get within 30 or 40 feet of him. 
um, in the last two years. Um, and I don't know wh where that mentality comes from. He's supposed to be a tough guy. Uh, the only thing I can think of is that he thinks he's some, some sort of prophet um, been sent by you know, the Eastern Orthodox God to save Mother Russia, and he doesn't want to uh, jeopardize his mission by getting COVID. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know what that's all about. You know, Stonewall Jackson was a freak about cleans, cleanliness and his diet. And, you know, a lot of leaders do have these weird quirks. So, again, don't know what it's about, don't know if it's true. But again, something else just to throw in the stew. Let's do that's what I got on Ukraine, my boy. Of all the weapons in the vast Soviet arsenal, nothing was more profitable than Oftimont Kalashnikova, model of 1947, more commonly known as the AK-47 or Kalashnikov. It's the world's most popular assault rifle, a weapon all fighters love. An elegantly simple nine-pound amalgamation of forged steel and plywood. It doesn't break, jam, or overheat. It will shoot whether it's covered in mud or filled with sand. It's so easy, even a child can use it. And they do. The Soviets put the gun on a coin. Mozambique put it on their flag. Since the end of the Cold War, the Kalashnikov has become the Russian people's greatest export. After that comes vodka, caviar, and suicidal novelists. One thing's for sure, no one was lining up to buy their cars. <laughs>